let's get started. We're on Daf Yud Beis, so we are eight lines down, and we are quoting from the earlier statement that we said that when the Kohanim would make their morning prayers, we went through the list of what they would do. One of the things that they would do is they would actually read the Asaras Adibras. Now, we don't do that anymore, and the Gemara is going to get into exactly why we don't do that anymore. So, we quote the statement. The current Asaras Adibras, they would read the Asaras Adibras. Shema, they would say Shema. Bahayim Shemaya, the first, the second chapter of Shema. Bahayimah, they would say a third chapter of Shema. And then they would say the first bracha after Shema, which is MSV Yatsid. And then afterwards, they would say the Avodah, they would go through the Avodah, the service, and then they would say, they would give the... Rabbi Davi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can't hear you very well, and I, my, my volume's turned all the way up. Okay, let me, let me raise mine. Am I the only person having a hard time hearing? Um, I hear you loud and clear. I can hear. I can hear. Then I think it's something on your end, Ike. Okay. Sorry. I mean, I can hear, just not very well. You know, I actually bought a microphone, but it, it didn't work that well. Maybe I'll try a different one, and then we'll get the sound up better. Now, this is what it's going to be. I did. I did buy one. It wasn't that great there. Yeah. Okay, let's go back. So, so I was saying like this. The Gemara says that these are, these are the brachas that the Kohanim would give. And Amr of Yehuda Amr Shmuel, that Afigulin, Big Shulik, they also wanted to say yes, they actually want to read the Asar Sederis as part of Tfila. Ella Shakrat Bitlam, there were people who did not believe in that the Torah was really from Sinai, that the Torah was given to us by Hashem, and they said the only part that was actually given to us by Hashem is only the Asar Sederis, that the Torah tells us that Hashem himself said. But everything else was not actually given to us by Hashem. And if people would actually, in part of our davening every day, we would make a point of emphasis to actually say that Sarasadibris, it would actually seem like maybe the truth that that is the most authentic part of Torah. So therefore, we stopped this custom because we don't want people to get confused. We learned in a Bryce like this as well. In the, in the provinces, they would want to read the Ike, I think you're you're um you're not on mute. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to dial in because I can't hear. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. Welcome. Okay. So, by the way, Rabbi, I think as the organizer of the meeting, you can actually mute everyone else. Oh, I, I don't want to give people uh, the opportunity to be able to say something, but uh. No, no, that they can they they can unmute themselves, but just. Okay. That's a good thing to know. Thank you. So, okay, let's go back. So, Rabbi Rabbahana wanted to do this in Surah. Amalia basically tells us four different stories how people wanted to reenact or reinstitute this custom of saying Asaras and And in all four of these places, they ended up saying, we don't want to do that because of this concern that the Minim. The heretics will claim that this is the only part of the Torah that was given. It was bothering me a little bit. Like, why does the Gemara need to tell us four different places that this happened and different time periods that this happened? Just say that we, we don't do it anymore because of the minim, and that's enough, right? So I think the Gemara was trying to tell us, and don't think that it was only specifically in that time period that there was more of a concern of minim, but perhaps at a later time period in a, a different locale, maybe it would have worked. The Gemara is saying, this is a concern forever and ever, and there should never be a time period in which you think that you could start saying the Asaras of is part of tefillah. 
That being said, I think there are people who will say the Aseris Adibris after davening when they say some of the additional prayers that people sometimes say, like they'll go over the Mun and they'll go over the the um, the 13 principles of the Rambam, and they might also say the Aseris Adibris as well. But to have it as part of the tefillah, that is a problem that we don't do. And we're continuing to analyze that statement before, that on Shabbos the priest will give another blessing as well. To the Mishmar that was going out, to the, the Mishmar that came in, would, would give a blessing to the Mishmar that was going out. What was the One going out would say to the, to the group of Kohanim coming in. By the way, just a little bit of explanation about this, what the Mishmar is. There were many, many Kohanim. Right? How do you decide which one of the many Kohanim get to serve in the Beis HaMikdash on a daily basis? So what they would do is they split the entire group of Kohanim into groups, into 24 different groups. And each week, one of those 24 groups was in charge of doing the service in the Beis HaMikdash. And on Shabbos, that group would leave and a new group would come in. So the bracha that they would give when the group coming out, the bracha that they would give to the group coming in was, The one who has caused his name to dwell in this house, in other words, Hashem, who, he should cause to dwell between you, love, brotherhood, um, peace, and reyes, and, and fellowship, right? Maybe related to the fact that we know that the Kohanim would all want to be part of the Avodah, and everybody would want the opportunity to, to serve. But sometimes that would actually lead to some strife, because people would want to serve, and other people would want to serve, and they would have to almost fight over who, who's the next one to get the service. So perhaps that's why this bracha was necessary at the beginning of them coming in to do the service of that week. Okay. So now we're quoting further. And it said that in a place where you're supposed to say the longer bracha, the longer blessing, you're not allowed to do the shorter one. So the Gemara is going to ask a question now, and then it's going to bring up this statement to try to bring a proof to its question. So here's the Gemara's question. Pshita. Let's say someone is sitting there and he has a cup of wine in his hand, but he thinks it's beer, right? And he starts making a bracha. And when he starts making this bracha, he has in mind that he's going to make a bracha on beer. Now, beer, the bracha is shahakal niyabizvari. Wine, the bracha is He starts making the bracha. He thinks he's going to be saying, I'm sorry, thinks he's going to be saying shahakal niyabizvari. All of a sudden, he looks down and he says, oh, this is wine. doesn't actually speak that out, but he thinks to himself, this is wine. And then he, he switches the bracha from shahakal to bayrepri hagafen. Then yatsa. Then he has fulfilled his mitzvah. Why did he fulfill his mitzvah over there? Why has he fulfilled the, the, the bracha? Because the way it works is like this. If Ideally, you should make the proper bracha. Whatever food you're eating, there's a special bracha that we're supposed to be making, and ideally, that's the bracha you should make. If you accidentally did not make the proper bracha, if you ended up saying shahakal niyavadvaro, that actually fulfills, after the fact, the bracha on any food at all. Because shahakal niyavadvaro is really saying everything was created by Hashem. So therefore, that diyavad will help you fulfill the mitzvah. So if you would have even finished off this bracha on wine, you have a cup of wine in your hand, but you thought it wasn't wine, and you make a bracha shahakal, and you start drinking, and you realize it's wine, you're still good. That's still enough for your bracha. So that's for sure going to work. So the Gemara is going to ask the question the opposite way. Let's say you have a cup of beer in your hand. You thought it was wine, right? 
So Pasachu Birachadaitachama, so you begin saying the bracha, and your intent when you say Barachata Hashem Alekinu Malachalam, your intent is you're going to finish off that bracha saying Bayre Pri Hagafen. You finish off that part, and all of a sudden you look down at your cup and you're like, oh shoot, it's beer, not wine. So then you end up finishing off that bracha with a shahakal niyabari. So now you cannot say that, oh, well, if you would have finished off with the Bayre Pri Hagafen, you would have fulfilled your bracha, because you will not have. If you make a bari pi on something that's supposed to be shahakal, it doesn't work at all, even after the fact. So the Gemara's question is like this. Gemara's question is, do we go after your thought process when you were making the main part of the bracha? In other words, when you were mentioning Hashem's name, what your intention was at that time for what exactly you are blessing Hashem? Or do we go after the chasima? Do we go after what you end up saying at the end of the bracha? What's of primary importance? My. Do we go after what your thought process was at the time that you were making the main part of the bracha? Or do we follow the words that you used at the end of the bracha? So now the Gemara brings its proof. The proof that we're going to try to bring is going to be from our Mishnah. Tashima. Come in here, a proof. When you are davening shachris, and you start davening shachris, and you start saying yetzerar, so you start saying the first bracha of Birchas Kriyashma, and you start the proper way. You start up the bracha saying Yetzar, which is the bracha that you're supposed to say. And then all of a sudden, you end up finishing with the nighttime bracha that you should say before Shema, which is Mariv Aravim. Lo Yatza, you have not fulfilled your mitzvah. Pasach Mariv Aravim. Let's say you started off saying Mariv Aravim, and then you finish with Yetzar, Lo Yatza. I'm sorry, I, I skipped. I skipped the line. Pasach b'mariv aravim, asayim b'yetzer or yatsa. But if you start up by saying mariv aravim and you finish by saying yetzer or at the end of the bracha, then you have fulfilled your mitzvah. Arvis pasach b'mariv aravim. What's your davening mariv? And you're saying your berachas kriyashma before mariv shema. And you start up by saying mariv aravim, the proper one. Asayim b'yetzer, but you finish with the morning one. Lo yatsa, you've not fulfilled your mitzvah. Pasach b'yetzer, if you start up with talking about the fact that Hashem created light, and you continue with the fact that Hashem, the, that the, the nighttime bracha that we're supposed to be saying, that Hashem brings the darkness, yatsa, then you have fulfilled your mitzvah. So clearly, this seems to be indicating that what's important to us is what you end up saying at the end of the bracha. What you said at the beginning of the bracha, that's not so important after the fact, right? Of course, ideally, that's how you should do it. You should say the proper bracha in its time. But if after the fact you only said the right thing at the end, you have fulfilled your mitzvah. If you only said the right thing at the beginning, you have not fulfilled your mitzvah. This seems to be a proof to our question that as long as your chasima, as long as you sealed it, as long as the finishing bracha ended up being the correct one, then you should have fulfilled your mitzvah. The Gemara just continues bringing its proof. So so the Braisa finishes that the, the fundamental principle is that everything goes after the thing that you use, the, the actual language that you use at the finishing part of the bracha. So the Gemara thinks it's a good proof. Shani Hasim, the Gemara says it's not necessarily good proof. The Gemara says there's a very big difference between Birchas Kriyashma, when you finish with the ending and it's the proper ending, and when you make a bracha on food and you finish with the ending, that's the proper ending. When you talk about birchas kriyashma, the end of the birchas kriyashma, you actually say once again, baruch Hashem, yitzer hama'iris, right? Baruch Hashem, hama'ariv aravim. So not only do you say Hashem's name, you bless Hashem explicitly at the beginning of the bracha, you also bless Hashem explicitly at the end of the bracha. 
But when it comes to making a bracha on food, you bless Hashem explicitly at the beginning. You say, Baruch Atah Hashem, but what you finish with is just, you don't mention Hashem's name again at the end. So perhaps, when is the ending the significant one? When at the end you also end up saying, Baruch Atah Hashem. But if you don't end up saying, Baruch Atah Hashem, then indeed, what's overriding is going to be the thing that you started off with. So maybe the proof falls apart. So the Gemara says, this actually is dependent on a machlekes amarayim. There's a machlekes amarayim. What constitutes a bracha? So we're just going to go through it. This all works according to the, the position of Rav. Rav says, how do you define a bracha if it has the name of Hashem in it? So if it does not have the name of Hashem in it, ain't a bracha. It's not considered to be a bracha. Then shaper, then this is good. Because what do we finish with? We finish with baracha to Hashem. Yetzer Hama'iris, that has Hashem's name in it, clearly that is a bracha, that is then going to be qualitatively different, the ending of the bracha spiritual is going to be qualitatively different than the ending of a bracha that you make on food. But that's only true according to Rab, who says that to be designated a bracha, it has to have Hashem's name in it. El Rabbi Yechanan, who raises the bar and says that you need something more, the Amar kol bracha she'imba malchus in a bracha, he says if you have a bracha that we, in which we do not say, we do not make reference to the kingship of Hashem. In other words, where we don't say, If we don't mention the fact that Hashem is master of the world, that's not really a bracha. So then the distinction falls apart because the fact that you ended up saying is not so significant according to the opinion of Rabbi Yechanan. And indeed, this should still be a good proof. If the fact that by Shema, it's enough that you finish it properly, that should also tell us that by a regular bracha on food, if you finish it properly, that's all we care about. Ella. Even the Amarav of our Ula. Kedela Haskir Midas Yoim Belayla, Umidas Laila Beyoim, Kika Amar, Bracha Umalchus, Meikara Atarvayu Ka Amar. So the Gemara says, even according to Rav Yechanan, you could wiggle your way out of this proof. What could you say? You could say that we know that both in the morning Bracha of Shema and in the nighttime Bracha of Shema, in both of them we also mention the opposite characteristic. In other words, in the morning we say Hashem also brings darkness, and at night we say Hashem also brings light. So whichever one you started off, if you started off saying the one that you're supposed to say in the morning and you ended up saying it at night, you were already having in mind that you were going to talk about the fact that Hashem has the power of night. So you actually were going to talk about something that is more appropriate and more related to what the proper bracha should have been. Whereas when you're making a bracha on beer and you think it's wine, you made a bracha related to that Hashem has create, gives us the, creates the, the fruits of the vine. That has nothing to do with beer. That beer is hops. It has nothing to do with fruits of the vine. So it's not related at all. So it's possible that the end of the bracha might be sufficient to end it properly when the beginning was also related to what the real ending was supposed to be. But if it's not related at all, then maybe the end wouldn't be sufficient. So once again, we, we're, we're bringing back a distinction between the, the proof and the actual, from, from the case that we're trying to bring as a proof and what the actual question was. So the question still stands. Now the Gemara tries to bring another proof. Let's bring a proof from the end of that statement. When it tells us the principle is everything goes after the ending, right? Why do you need to tell us everything goes after the ending, right? We, we kind of could have figured that out on our own from these two cases. When the Mishnah does that, when a Brisa does that, what we're trying to teach us is something additional, something that was not included in what we said over here. There's another case that also is learned out from this principle. So what is that coming to include? What's it coming to include? Is it not coming to talk about this case in which 
you start off making a bracha of the Ikina was wine, and you started the bracha with wine, and then you finish the hakel, and that's coming to tell you all we care about is what you say at the end. So the Gemara says, perhaps that's the proof. Gemara says not. It's not necessarily a proof. It's coming to include a case where you, it is a, a mix-up between bread and dates. What exactly is the case? Hey, Chidami, what are the case? What's the details? If a guy is eating bread and he thinks it's dates, and he starts making a bracha afterwards, a bracha means he starts making alamichya, right? Because he thinks it's dates. The Sayyim and then all of a sudden he realizes, no, it wasn't dates, it was bread. And then he finishes with Birchas Hamazan. Hainu Bayan. That doesn't help us. That's exactly the same question that we're asking over here. It's a very similar question where you started saying something related to dates. Now, dates have nothing to do with. One second. Right. So, so the bracha that you would say after dates would not be related to the bracha that you would say after bread. So the fact that you, the fact that if that would, if that would be included from the Mishnah's case, from the Bryce's case, then that would be exactly the same thing as our case right here. And that would also give us an answer. So don't tell me that it's talking about this other type of case of bread and dates. You basically set up another case, which is exactly the same case as our case right here. And if it's the exact same case, then that would be the proof for us too. So the Gemara says, Blake you have to say that it is not talking about that case. What is it talking about? He's eating dates and he thinks it's bread. And therefore he starts benching. And then he realizes that he shouldn't be benching and he finishes with the regular alamechia. Yatsa, he has fulfilled his mitzvah. says, you cannot actually bring any proof from there because perhaps the case that we're talking about over there is where a guy is eating dates. He thinks it's bread. He starts up making the first bracha of benching. In the first bracha of benching, we say, Hazan Esakal, that Hashem sustains everything, right? So that indeed will also cover, technically, it will also cover dates, right? So that is actually okay. And that's not going to be analogous to our case, where once again, the bracha of Bari Priyagafen, of, of the fruits of the vine, has nothing to do with a bracha on beer, which is shahakal. So the Gemara ends up, we don't have an answer to this question. What happens if a guy is sitting there with beer in his hand, and he starts with Bari Priyagafen, he finishes with shahakal, we don't have an answer, has he fulfilled his bracha obligation or not? Amar Rabba Bar Chenina, Saba Mishmei the Rab. Kol Shuloi Amar Emes V'yatsi Shachris, Be'emes V'emuna Arvis, Lo Yatsi Dechevasei. Anyone who does not say the bracha of Emes V'yatsev, it is true and certain. Anyone who does not say the bracha of Emes V'yatsev, Shachris, anyone who does not say the bracha of it is true and certain when they are davening the Shachris Shema, and anyone who doesn't say the Emes V'emuna, that it is true and faithful when they are davening the nighttime Shema, the bracha after nighttime Shema, he has not fulfilled his obligation. Because it says, that I shall say over in the morning, I shall discuss the kindness of Hashem and I shall discuss the, um, the faithfulness of Hashem at night. So what we're referring to here is in the morning the morning bracha after Shema, we're talking about our belief that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. So we're talking about the, our gratefulness, our gratitude to Hashem that He took us out of something in the past. At night, we're thinking about the long gulus that we're in. Night always symbolizes exile. So at night, what we talk about is our belief that Hashem will take us out of this exile. So at nighttime, we have a different focus on in terms of what exactly we believe that Hashem is going to do for us. 
When you are davening, you're supposed to bow down. You bow down when you say baruch. When you stand up, when you say the shem Hashem, then you stand back up again. Now, we actually bend our knees by baruch, right? And we bow down by atta, and we stand back up by when we say the shem of Hashem. So that's not based on a Gemara. That's actually later on. I think it's maybe Zayar, but that, that's not something that's actually based on the Gemara, but that is what we do today. So, but the Gemara has this other concept where you only do bowing and leaning back and standing back up. You don't actually bend your knees. Amar Shmuel, Shmuel says, my time in the Rav, what's the reasoning behind Rav's statement? The reason why you should bow down is because it says, I'm sorry, the reason why you should stand up when you get up to the name of Hashem is because we know Hashem straightens the bent. So when we say the name of Hashem, it's apropos that we should be standing back up at that time. So bring a, a question from a Pasuk in Malachi where it says that in front of my name, nachas, that is if we are bent down in front of Hashem's name. Does it say when it is my name? It says before my name. In other words, the Gemara thought that maybe from the fact that it says in, before my name you bow down, that perhaps you should still be bowing down, still be bending over when you get up to the name of Hashem. So the Gemara says, no, it says before his name you bow down. But once you get to his name, then indeed you stand back up. Shmuel said, the son of Rab, you are the son of one who knows much Torah, or knew much Torah. I will tell you something beautiful the Amra Buvah that your father said. This is what your father said. When you bow down, when you bow down, you bow down when you say Baruch. When do you stand back up? You stand back up when you say Hashem. Turning the page now. Did we get a conclusion as to whether um, when you say the Baruch, if it's the intention of what you start with or the words that you finish with that no we, did, no, we did not end up with a conclusion. Um, if I remember correctly in Halacha, I'm going to guess that we end up going with Safik Brachas Pakel, but I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'll send out a, a WhatsApp. What do you do in that situation later? Okay. okay. So turn the page. So when he bowed down, he bowed down like a rod. So he bowed down like a, Rashi explains like a rod in the hand of a person who swings his rod quickly. So Rosh will bow down really quickly to show how much he subjugates himself to Hashem's will, to Hashem's uh, will, yeah. When he would bend back up, he would actually bend back up like a snake. He would bend back up slowly, right? To show that he does not mind at all being in this position of recognizing his Hashem's uh, will over us. An old said over um, an old person in the name of Rav, Kol Hatshana, the entire year, Kula, Kol Hatshana Kula, the entire year, Adam Espal Hakela Kadesh, the entire year, you say the Holy God. Melech, what was that? Melech Ayheb Tzedakah Mishpat. The two things that we use when we were finishing the Bracha of Kadesh, we say Hakela Kadesh. When we're finishing the Bracha of Mishpat, we say Melech Ayheb Tzedakah Mishpat. Except for the Aseris Mechuvah, in which we change that. What do we say then? We say the Holy King, right? Not the Holy God, but the Holy King. And the King who is sitting in judgment. says, Even if during the Aseris Mechuvah, you indeed say the the Holy God, you've still fulfilled your obligation. As it says, and he quotes a Pasuk Nishayo, it says, 
And Hashem raises legions in judgment. The Hakel HaKadosh Nikdash B'Tzedakah. And the Holy God is sanctified in righteousness. When is it that Hashem raises these legions of judgment, in judgment, I'm sorry. These are the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And we describe Hashem in that time period as being the Holy God. So it's, we see that even during that time period, Hashem can still be described as the Holy God, not necessarily only the Holy King. My Havela, what's the halacha? Amr of Yosef, Hakel HaKadosh, Melech Mishpat. You should say, the Holy God, and the King who loves uh, righteousness and judgment. Rabbi Amar, HaMelech HaKadosh. Rabbi says, no, you actually have to say HaMelech HaKadosh, and the King who is judging. And the Halacha follows Rabbi, and indeed this is what we ask in that if you, if you don't say HaMelech HaKadosh, you have to go back. If you, if you don't say HaMelech HaMishpat, you do not have to go back. Another statement from Rabbi Achenna, in the name of Rab. Anybody who is in a position where they should be asking for uh, compassion, mercy from Hashem on his friend. And why are we going in between? Why are we saying like Rabbah for Malachi Kaddish, but not like Rabbah for Malachi Mishpat? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay, so the Gemara is now saying another statement from him, which is that if you know someone is sick, someone is not well, and you have the ability to ask for, uh, for, um, for mercy from Hashem on your friend, and you do not ask for this mercy, you are called a chayte, you are called a sinner. So the language is that I'm going to be a sinner to Hashem because I did not, I did not end up um, praying on your behalf. Amar Rava, Rava says, Im who, if the person who is sick is also a Tamachacham, a Torah scholar, then you definitely have to uh, get yourself involved and, and, and even um, and, and feel it, feel his pain. What's the reason? If it's because of a story of Shaul HaMelech, in which he seems to say that nobody else got into a position of sickness based on the Tsar, the, the pain that I was in, right? Dilma Melashani, maybe that's different. Maybe Shaul, the reason why they, he thought he was angry that they hadn't um, been praying for him, maybe the reason is because he's a Melach, not just because he's a Talmud Chacham, but also because he's a king. And that's why you have to do it. So you can't see from there for a Talmud Chacham. So it must be that the proof is from something else, a something in Tehillim, that David Melach is describing what happens when Dayeg and Achitoifel are sick. Dayeg and Achitoifel are his Rebbeim, right? And they are Talmud Chacham, they're Torah scholars. So we learn from there, because what does it say there? He says that, and, and I, in their sickness, that he was wearing, you know, he put on clothing to signify that the, the pain that he was in because these Talmud Chachamim were sick. And that teaches us that if a Talmud Chacham is sick, then people have to feel that and have to daven. Anybody who did a Dvaravera, did something wrong, and then afterwards they were embarrassed and they felt guilty about that. All of their sins are forgiven. So we see from there is that if you are going to have this level of embarrassment, then there will be a kapara for you. That that's what Hashem will do. Hashem will make a kapara. Hashem will make a will a, rectify the fact that you're you've done these sins as long as you are embarrassed that you have done these sins. 
Dilma Tzibar Shani, maybe that's different because over there we're not referring to an individual, referring to the Tzibar, they're referring to the entire public at once. So maybe that's different. Al-Mihachas, let's bring a different proof. So now we're going to bring a proof from a story of Sha'ol HaMelech. So Sha'ol HaMelech is, is being besieged, uh, you know, is fighting a war, and Shmuel has died at this point, and Sha'ol does not know what to do. So he's asking everyone for help. He's asking all the Nabiim, and nothing is working. So he ends up going to a necromancer, a, a female witch, and he asks her to bring up the spirit of Shmuel. And he asks Shmuel for help. So that's where we pick up the story. And Shmuel, the spirit of Shmuel, comes to Shaul and says, Loma Hegastani, Lahalis I see. Why did you do this to, to raise me up? I'm in a tremendous amount of pain. And the, the Pelishtim are fighting with me. Hashem and Hashem has removed himself from me. has not answered me. I went to ask the Nevi'im, I went to ask the prophets. I went to ask in dreams. And I was calling out to you now to tell me what should I do. But Shaul does not mention to Shmuel that he also asked the Urim Batumim through a Kayan, through the Kayan Gadol. He asked the Urim Batumim what he should do. And the Urim Batumim didn't answer him. But Shaul does not mention that part. He only mentions the other things. Why didn't he mention that? Why didn't the Urim Batumim answer him? Because Shaul Amalekh killed this, the, an entire city of Kohanim who gave shelter to David Amalekh when he was running away from them. The reason why he killed them is he thought they were being married by Malchus. He thought they were rebelling against the king by giving shelter to the person who he considered to be a, re, a, rebel, a rebel against the king, David Amalekh. Now, he killed them, but he wasn't right for killing them because they didn't realize that David Amalekh was running away from the king. And they were giving him shelter, but not because they realized he was running away from the king. So, so what do we see from the story? We see from the story that Shaul felt awful about the fact that he ended up killing this entire city because he realized when the Urim Tumim wasn't answering him that he was getting punished for that. So since he felt bad about that, and because he was embarrassed to tell this over, story over to Shmuel, therefore he got forgiven from the heavens. Because Shmuel says then to him, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. When he says imi, he means that when you go to the Elam Ha'emes, when you go to Elam Haba, you will be within my, with my uh, region, right? And you would not be in the region of Shmuel if you would have not gotten forgiven for that terrible sin of killing this entire city of Kohanim. It must be that because of his regret and embarrassment, he actually got forgiven for that which he had done. Rabbanan Amir, Rabbanan say, Amri Mehacha, Vehekanim Hashem give us Shaul, Vechir Hashem. So they bring a different proof. They bring a proof from the fact that we describe the place of Shaul as Bechir Hashem. We describe Shaul as the Bechir Hashem, the chosen one of Hashem. Hashem. A voice comes out from the heaven and calls Shaul the chosen one of Hashem. So why is he the chosen one of Hashem? He's the chosen one of Hashem because he got forgiven after this, this terrible incident with the city of Kohanim. If he would not have gotten forgiven, there's no way he would have been called the chosen one of Hashem. Why did he get forgiven? The Gemara is telling us is the reason why he got forgiven is because of his embarrassment. We actually want to say over the story of Parshas Balak in Kriyashma. Now, why didn't they make it as part of Kriyashma? Because it would have been a little bit difficult for everybody to say over the whole Parsha of Balak in Kriyashma twice a day. What was so important to say it in the first place? though? If it's because in that parasha we say that Hashem took us out of Egypt, there are other parshas in the Torah, there are other verses in the Torah, other topics in the Torah in which we describe the fact that Hashem took us out of Egypt. So why specifically the story of Balak is important to say over? Because 
It mentions, what, what does it mention that makes it important to say over? The reason why we want to say it is because there's a very specific pasuk in it that expresses an idea that we want to express in Shema. What pasuk is that? It says, Pasuk says that he bows down or bends over and lies down like a lion and like a lion cub, who can lift him up? So, right, so the Gemara thinks that that's, that's an important pasuk that we should be mentioning in Shema. This is referring to the fact that Hashem watches over us, right? So the Gemara thinks that's an important pasuk to mention in Shema. So why don't we just say just that pasuk? Why do you have to say the whole parasha of Balak? That you can't do. It's too long. So just say this pasuk by itself, and that should be enough. We have a tradition. Any parsha that Moshe Rabbeinu has already broken down into separate portions, that we're allowed to say over each portion by itself. The Lloyd Pascha Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu himself never broke it down into separate portions. If you open up the Torah and you see that the entire parsha of, of Balak is all one, there's no um, breaks at all in the Torah, then you're not allowed to break it up ourselves. But if there's breaks in it, then we're allowed to use those breaks and, and say over that as part of our tefillah. Parshas Tzitzis Mephnei Makavua. Why is it that we have the the third parsha in which we talk about, the third parsha of Shema in which we talk about Tzitzis? Why was it important to put Tzitzis over there in the Kriya Shema? Amr Rav Yehuda Bar Chaviva Mephnei Sheyesh Bachamish The reason why we want to say over that parsha is five important principles that we find there. First of all, Mitzvah Tzitzis. The actual mitzvah of wearing tzitzis. Second of all, Yitzias Mitzrayim, that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Third of all, all mitzvahs, the responsibility of doing mitzvahs. Vidas minim, hirer avera vehirer avedizara. The exclude the das, the the uh, the thoughts of the minim of the heretics, and to talk about the importance of not getting involved in hirer avera in thoughts of doing avera vehirer avedizara in the thoughts of possibly worshiping idols. Bishlemahani class. The first three, it says explicitly, all mitzvahs, right? The, the fact that we have a, um, a responsibility to do the mitzvahs, and you shall see the tzitzis, and you will remember all the mitzvahs of Hashem. So that's explicit in that third chapter. It says explicitly in the third chapter also. How do you know these three things are found in this third chapter? Where do we find this? The Tanya. We learned in a Brisa. When it says that you shall not go after your heart, that is telling you the heresies that could come from your heart. And we bring a source that sort of references this idea that minus is called something which is in your heart. Amar Naval said in his heart, I'm sorry, that there is no God. So we're bringing a sort of a hint to this from a Pasuk and Tehillim that Nabal says in his heart, there is no God. So heresy is related to your heart. So when the Pasuk tells us, what we understand that to mean is don't go after minas, don't go after heresies. When it says don't go after your eyes, that is referring to that's referring to thoughts of doing Avera. And we bring a, a, a verse that sort of references the idea that going after your eyes can lead to Avera. Where do we see that? By Yemar Shimshon Alavid. Shimshon says to his father, Shimshon is talking about Delilah. And he says, I want that woman because she is good in my eyes. So we see that going after your eyes is not always such a smart idea and it can lead to doing Avera. So when it says, it's telling you don't follow your eyes to do Hira Avera. Now, 
Atem Zainim, Zeh Hira Avedazara. When it says Atem Zainim, that is the Hira Avedazara, the thoughts of worshiping idols, and so too it says, and so it says that they went after the Ba'alim, the Ba'alim are the names of idols. So we see this idea that Zainim can refer to the fact of, of idol worship. So we see these six concepts are referenced in the third chapter of Shema, and that's why it's important to say the third chapter. Okay, let's start the next Mishnah. We should talk about the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, that Hashem took us to Adam Mitzrayim at night. Amr of Lezim and Azariah, Lezim says, Harani Kivent Shivim Shana, and this might sound familiar to some of you. The Rebbe Lezim says, I was like a man of 70 years old. And I, I never said the Parsha of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim at night. In other words, I didn't say the third chapter of, of Shema at night. Achadarsha ben Zayma and Tilban Zayma came along and explained the Pasuk in the Torah. That said, Shenemar, there's a Pasuk in the Torah, it says, Laman Mitzrayim, so that you should remember the day that Hashem took you out of Mitzrayim, call all the days of your life. When it says by itself, that would have been enough to teach us that you should remember it every day. The fact that it then said an extra word of didn't need to say that. It just said that would have, we would have understood. You have to say Shema every day of your life. When it said it's coming to add something more. It's coming to add that even at night, you should make reference to the fact that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. And at that point, Rebbe Lezim started saying Kriya Shema at night together with the Tzias Mitzrayim parasha, the third parasha. When it says, the days of your life, what it's referring to is in this world. When it says, it's referring to the Mashiach, that after Mashiach comes, we will still say Shema and still reference the fact that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Tanya, let's learn a Raisa. Go a little bit further. In other words, Ben Zayma says to the Chachamim, who claimed that the verse is teaching us that you should talk about the fact that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim even when Mashiach comes. That's what they're using the call to teach you. Is that true? Are we even going to talk about the fact that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim when Mashiach comes? We have a Pasuk that teaches us in Yirmiyot. Days are coming in which we will call out Hashem. We will no longer say Hashem who took us out of Mitzrayim. That's not going to be our, our reference point anymore. We're going to reference something far greater. We're going to reference the fact that Hashem has gathered together the 10 tribes, the 10 missing tribes. He's gathered together Jews from all the corners of the earth, everywhere that we've been exiled to. And he's gathered us all together and brought us back to, to Israel. That will be a far greater miracle than the miracle that happened in Mitzrayim. So when Zayma says, you can't tell me that we're going to still be talking about Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, when Mashiach comes, because that then we're going to talk about an even greater miracle. So why did the Chachamim believe that the call is coming to teach you that we're going to still say Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim when Mashiach comes? They should have agreed to the opinion of Ben Zayma, which is that it's coming to teach you to say Shema at night. So they said back to him, When we say that we're no longer going to be talking about the fact that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, we don't mean that we're not going to mention it. What we mean to say is that when we have these greater miracles, the, almost the, the, the greater thing that we're going to be giving thanks to Hashem for taking us out of us, for removing us from the exile at that time. At the time, hopefully it should be soon. But we will still also reference the fact that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Maybe it won't be as important in, in the scheme of things when we have an even greater thing to thank Hashem, but it will still be there. And they bring a proof to this idea. Hashem tells Yaakov, I'm sorry, not Hashem, but the Malach tells, tells Yaakov, you will no longer be called by the name of Yaakov. Your name will now be Yisrael. 
And over there too, he wasn't, it's not like he was never called Yaakov again. He was still called Yaakov again. Rather, it was just going to tell you that from now on, your main name will be Yisrael and the, the, the name that you will sometimes be called by will be Yaakov. So too, after Mashiach comes and we have the incredible miracles of taking us out of the Gullahs that we're in right now, we will still be very, very grateful for those miracles. But we will also still remember the miracle that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. And that's how the Chachamim explained Ben Zayma why Kali Mechayacha could come to teach you the days of Mashiach coming and not to teach you that you should say the third parish of Kriyashma at night. Halacha follows the opinion of Ben Zayma, and we do say the third parsha, the third chapter of Kriyashma at night too. Okay, good night, everyone. Shikar. Take care. Bye.